You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, composer of the hit song, ELO, is it me you're looking for? It's Harrison Crow, everybody. Say hey, Harrison. What is up, Holla? <laughs> Harrison of AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com, Harrison of Twitter.com, and now Harrison of the Washington Post. I haven't had my article. No, don't start that, because I haven't had, I'm the only one out of everyone that hasn't had their article posted yet. Oh really? That's why I didn't realize that. <laughs> I'm the first. I'm the first one that wrote it and posted it so that they could yeah. get a flavor of what what was going to come. And uh, apparently, I'm the I'm the last one to to get it posted. Well, so that's I that think is what it, Belgium plays what Wednesday or Friday? Yeah. Saturday? So they're. I, I imagine they're they're probably holding it on to to kind yeah. of leverage that. But well, I don't I don't know Neil's either way. Either yeah, way. Congratulations uh, to you too, friend. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. And. Wrote about Iceland. I did. I did. Mighty Iceland. I'm, I'm looking forward to cheering for them uh, for as long as they last in the tournament, which may not be long, but uh, boy, it will be enjoyable. Um, happy World Cup. Happy World Cup Day. Today is the first day of the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Are you uh, Are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, Russia just beat the hell out of Saudi Arabia, didn't they? They sure did. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> Like um, there, were, there is there is nothing short of uh, Putin gifts uh, available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly just shrugging, like, "Hey, what can I say? I got a great soccer team, <laughs> and you you have an okay soccer team." Flawed, if I can call you that, and I will. Oh, that's pretty forward. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we go way back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. I love I love this the games being on and everybody just being completely tuned into it. Um, you know, it, Twitter makes it so much fun too because. Just everybody's reacting to everything that happens out there, and it's just a. If you like talking about soccer, and clearly we do, this is the most wonderful time every four years. So, you know, it's it's amazing the different engagements that you have using Twitter, right? It it, it really has changed and uh, evolved the way we watch sports because I feel like even though I'm not at <clears throat> wherever you know you, you're at, whether it's the your home or whether you go to the bar for different stuff, I really do feel like I'm with my collection of people. Um, you know, yeah. especially with Nerd Slack, uh, we all have our ways of talking. We have ASA Slack that's you know chiming in with different things, and then of course Twitter has its own different spheres. So I always feel like I kind of have my friends nearby providing different commentary that um, it makes me kind of feel like. It, it just makes me feel a part even more. So I, I've, I've very much enjoyed it. Social media, in a lot of ways, is terrible. Yes. Uh, but this but is for sports. This, yeah. Yeah. If they could just turn it on during sports, I think that would be perfect. Wouldn't that be great if they had like one button to where it's like, <laughs> it's just everyone, like right. you can now talk. Yeah, you can do you can do Twitter now because there's sports on. <laughs> that would be really good for me. Um, yeah, it's an interesting World Cup this year. Obviously, the United States are not part of it, and so like that is a little bit upsetting to me. Uh, and, and seeing all the opening kind of stuff today, and watching Robbie Williams rap, and 
you know, realizing that this is this is the World Cup and we're not there was kind of a bummer. I, I kind of feel like it's it's sort of like uh, you know you have like a cousin or whatever that you'd like to see at Christmas. Like you only see him once a year and at Christmas, and you're always you're looking forward to Christmas because you know it's Christmas. But you also get to see your cousin, and then one year your cousin can't come, and it's like it's a bummer, but it's still Christmas, right? No, that I, that's actually kind of that's really good, actually. Um, it, but it it also changes your appreciation for Christmas in different ways, right? Because now I'm focused on different aspects of it that I've I've probably at least in the last uh, three World Cups that I've uh, had the ability to kind of appreciate as maybe a mature person, you know, somebody that has a little bit more financial ability, a little bit more um, cognitivity, I guess. <laughs> you know, as sure. a teenager and as a young person, you don't generally think about the, at the about a lot of this stuff that's going on in the world. The older you get as a young adult, as an adult, and as kind of now a father, um, it, it's evolved. And so I think that's really good. And now I'm have the ability to kind of look at this from another perspective, not having the United States involved. I would love to have the United States there, but it's such a, it's such a dead horse that we've beat a thousand times. Now it's about trying to evolve and grow emotionally and, and just kind of watch the games for what they are. Maybe you learn a little bit, uh, a little something different about what's happening in the world, both tactically and then um, with some of the different players and how um, they're being leveraged by their respective nations. You know, it's true. It, it's hard, I think, even, um, you know, even watching Major League Soccer, which I do, I try to do as, as much of it with as much neutrality as possible. But, you know, just being uh, involved in that scene and, and you know, everything that goes on, you know, in that whole sphere uh, week in, week out, you know, you kind of develop some things you like and some things you don't, and some players you like and some players you don't, and teams and such. And uh, it, it is interesting to kind of have this tournament be, where I, I really am just looking at it like 100% from a completely neutral standpoint. Like, I, they're like, I'd like Iceland to win. That would be neat. It's not going to happen. But, you know, if they were to make a big run, I would obviously be rooting for them. But generally speaking, you know, 90% of these games, I'm just going to be interested to see what happens. And it, it does give you a different way to watch the game. Like, you can get not wrapped up in it emotionally and kind of, like, look at seeing how things are kind of developing. So, yeah, I agree. This is the World Cup of education. Yeah, so that that's next good, time... Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> next time, we'll be much more uh, smarter soccer people when we watch the next one that the U.S. are, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, involved in. But, um, anyway... That is, uh, that's that. We've only seen one game so far, so, um, yeah. Everybody else out there in listener land, happy World Cup Day to you as well, even though you're getting this a day later. Um, let's get started with our show, though, what we talk about, which is Major League Soccer, or American Soccer in general. Uh, as we mentioned, nothing to do with the World Cup. So, uh, <laughs> let's get started with, of course. Everybody's going to turn this off right now. <laughs> right now. I've just, yeah, upset all of our listeners. Um... It's the interesting stat of the week, uh, and it comes from uh, our friend at Exiled MLS, um, and he pointed out to me and you that uh, DC United have had a, uh, uh, they've had, uh, they've had tough right. times, so tough times. They've had some tough times, and but they've it's been a particularly problematic that they throw away leads, um, and he notes that. From winning game states, DC United this year have managed to drop 13 total points. Uh, that's two versus Orlando, a game that ended 1-1. Three versus Philadelphia, a game that ended 3-2. Uh, 
a loss. They lost three points against RSL after they were up. Uh, RSL won 3-2. They lost three points against Seattle after they were up one goal. Seattle won 2-1. And then last night, they were up 4-0, right? It was 4-0 at one point, I'm pretty sure. And they, they lost two points as Toronto FC came back uh, and equalized with four points. And, what a brutal game. Uh, yeah, that had to be really, really tough to swallow. Um uh, and to, to, to kind of go there, uh, they've dropped 13 total points in those games. That's more points than they currently have, total with 10. Uh, if you added that together, they would be above the red line in sixth place and in playoff contention. So, um, Exiled MLS did not give us anything particular to say. Uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and speak for them and say, uh, come on, DC United, you can do better. You can do it. I believe in you. I'm not sure he does, though. Yeah, that's kind of a <laughs> It's one thing to believe in them. It's quite another to uh, to take it that next step. <laughs> I, I I don't think they. I don't know if I would say they can do it. I I and we'll get into this in a second. But they have a lot of deficiencies right now within the structure of their their squad. I mean, they're just they're not a good team. Um, they're, they're one of the worst defensive teams, uh, as we saw in that epic collapse. Um, and that kind of neutralizes what scoring that they're able to leverage. And not to say that they're a great scoring team, because, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think they're the second lowest uh, by expected goal measures in the Eastern Conference. But uh, they're getting quality play from their striker. And when you give up leads and you give up points off of leads that you had in hand um, because your defense is terrible, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, right? Yeah, mainly. It's it's true. Um, I kind of imagine them coming out, and I, I kind of like see them as like this boxer that just comes out swinging super hard and like lands a haymaker sometimes, and you're like, whoa. Uh, and then, you know, they just don't put the opponent down. And, and then just over the course of the next few rounds, you know, they pull themselves back into it. And it, it's it's interesting to see that they have the ability to go out there and just jump on teams like that. We've seen them go out and get an early goal to, like, take these leads early. Um, but then it, it, there's, like, a whole other discipline that comes in with, like, managing that game state that I just don't think that they're very good at. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. It might be, um, you know... Exile mentioned during the game last night how he did not like a couple of subs that Ben Olsen had. And I think that that's uh, generally because, uh, not just because in that game state it seemed bad, but historically speaking, that's kind of facilitated a downward spiral in the past. And I don't think DC United's very good with playing with the ball generally in a possession oriented style. That being said, it might be kind of, especially if you're up a game state, it might be to their advantage to try to leverage what ball handlers they have. Uh, you know, anytime you have Luciano Acosta, I think you have to try to play to his skill set when you're up a, up a lead. I think you try to use your best players to preserve that lead, not try to hope, and this sounds really, this is, it's a rough thing to say, but not lean on your worst players to fail you. If that makes sense, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of interesting. I think it's kind of an interesting tactical style that you can see with a lot of teams. And I always find it interesting to see when a team that's winning uh, decides, okay, we're going to hold what we have. 
you know, and like they're gonna like this. This is the part of the game where we're just gonna say no more risks, no more pushing forward. Um, you know, we're gonna step back and we're gonna we're gonna try to protect what lead we have. A lot of times, you know, that's good. That that's a good idea to do. If you if you're excellent at doing that, you can strangle a game out and then take your results. But a lot of times, as soon as a team that takes takes their foot off the gas, it's when the wheels go off the wagon too. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with DC, um, but it sounds like what you're saying maybe is that if they didn't kind of full back into themselves so much after being in these positions, maybe like they're stronger when they're actually trying to push using those ball handlers. Well, and I haven't looked at it enough to necessarily uh, say, you know, 100% they need to, to be a little bit more proactive. Um, that's certainly not their inherent style, but yeah, teams that, and you see that as soon as the game state changes, um, teams that are down inherently start um, getting more of the ball. That's just, I don't know if that's a byproduct mentally or if that's just teams starting to cede a little bit of that possession because they have, um, they, they're choosing to be a little bit more defensive and thus they're trying to say, we're going to preserve a little bit more of the lead. We're going to try to keep a little bit more of our defensive shape. They really, I think DC United would be better suited to, as soon as they go up in that game state, to almost be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, maybe throw another, you know, you, they have Patrick Mullins on the bench. Maybe utilize some of his skill, uh, hold up skill sets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, and everybody kind of, <laughs> yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I really have an affinity for Patrick Mullins. Um, you know, I'm not I, surprised I this, that your your go-to answer for DC's Trevelas, but you bring on Patrick Mullins. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it's a little bit off the cuff. Um, yeah. But you know, DC I, Exile and I, uh, we talked about this a lot at the beginning of the season. He was very convinced that Darren Maddox was a really good solution for them going forward because they're going to be playing away games. They're going to be going to a counterattack style. <clears throat> I didn't necessarily agree, but it's been very. Uh, it, it's shown that Darren Maddox can really get on the end of this direct style of play and create. Um, he, ha You're looking just, as far as strikers go in MLS, he holds one of the highest shares of all strikers' uh, contributions to their teams. He second highest tied with uh, Joseph Martinez, uh, with 54% of his team's overall expected goals. Now, that's not just what he's doing as far as uh, expected goals for, but also expected assists and expected buildup. Uh, however, his expected buildup is really, really low. Um, have right. it in front of me if I, can, <laughs> if I can actually pick it out. He's generally the end of the chain. Yeah, I mean, it, so it's at 10%, which generally is a little bit on the low side. Uh, it's not David Villa, it's not uh, Nikolic, it's not uh, Joseph Martinez, but it's it, it's a little bit lower, right? And on top of that, he's not getting a ton of touches. So what he's primarily doing is he's getting the ball and going predominantly right at goal. And, you know, that's that's part of DC's style. As I just kind of mentioned, go, playing so many away games, they're trying to be a little bit more defensive. They're trying to put more guys behind the ball. Maybe going to a 4-4-2 style and maybe a second half up a lead and trying to possess a little bit um, doesn't mean that you're necessarily trying to be um, lose your shape. But... and. and 
there's been a couple of podcasts that I've talked about this recently, and that's uh, maintaining your defensive shape within while uh, holding possession. And there's teams that can do this. And obviously that's related to the personnel that they have. And DC United doesn't necessarily have all the personnel. However, they do have some really good players that I feel like <clears throat> in under certain circumstances could kind of hold and at least start to... Toronto FC is not going to come at you in this high press system. They're just not a high press team. When they win the ball, they are going to attempt to win the ball. They're not going to sit necessarily back in a defensive posture, but and especially down. But at the same time, they're not going to throw four or five guys at you chasing the ball all over the field, right? They're a very defensive uh, but pragmatic team. I guess is kind yeah, of what I'm trying to say. they're going to want to win the ball in midfield if they can. Right. They're, but they're going to want to try to hold their shape uh, defensively, yeah. you know, um, and then leverage once that they get that turnover onto some sort of a counter. Um, that's that's what they'd be trying to do. And I just feel like DC would be better off in this style trying to put the ball into some of their better players' hands, which, you know, Yamil Assad, uh, Luciano Acosta, um, Patrick Mullins, Stiber, um, these guys are guys that can just kind of hold the ball and maybe cycle it around a little bit, kill off some of the game um, before you go back onto the defense and, and maybe even give your guys a little bit of a, of a rest rather than try to constantly, uh, you know, ward off shots. That's a good point. I hadn't, I, I guess I hadn't considered also what you mentioned that they're, they are playing most of these games away. So, um, that is that makes it even more difficult, you know, when a team starts to come back. I think that that can feel even more, um, I, I don't know, uh, imminent when you're on the road if if, the, if a team starts kind of pulling that momentum away like no, that. Ab- uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, right? It's an interesting I mean, we, thing. We talked and about I, I this over wonder, the last few weeks. Right. Yeah, with home, home and away. So yeah. I, I think it's cool. I, and, and I think this is something that what you talk about is something that, that a guy like Wayne Rooney is actually going to be pretty helpful at too. Um, you know, another guy that they can kind of get the ball to, that can hold on to it. Uh, you know, he's still strong on the ball. Um, good passer. Like, like that, that, that's only going to help for them. And I think with a string of home games, they might be able to see – I'm not going to say that they're going to turn it around, you know, and have this great season or a, even a, a decent one. But I don't think it's going to be quite as dire and awful as it's been thus far. I, I kind of wonder if, and looking, at, we talk about uh, Wayne Rooney, and so kind of my mind goes to his former teammate, uh, Ibrahimovic, who, I mean, he's kind of been a difference maker. And I say kind of, uh, that's a little tongue. He, he's been a huge player for LA early on, who, um, while... They don't have a very good defense. They are still relatively in the mix in the Western Conference for for a playoff seat, and that might seem a little laughable. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you consider, you know, they're on 15 games, they're averaging 1.33 points per match. It's conceivable. Yeah, that might be good enough in the West. That might be good enough. It, it, it might be, and you know, they're going to have to pump it up just a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, Teams like Dallas, uh, Dallas has stepped it up a lot uh, over the last few, uh, over the last month. Um, LAFC hasn't gone away, but you know they're definitely going to be going through their World Cup woes over the last, um, over the next month and a half. So 
that's going to be interesting to see how they would turn out. Portland, none of the models really like them to be to, to sustain what they're doing. Now that might just mean that the model hasn't caught up to what they, what Giovanni Saravici has done yet. But I mean, so I say all this not to not to turn the conversation to LA. But LA has a chance, beca- not because they have a good defense, but because they are literally punching people in the mouth, and they don't care how bloody it gets, how many yeah. punches they take on. Their goal yeah. is to knock you dead first. Yeah, and, well, and that's what having a, a difference maker like that in, in your side is, well, I suppose. And, and maybe you add Wayne Rooney, and that becomes your new tactic right that just you yeah. try to throw as you just try not to um bleed so much out the back <laughs> and well yeah i i will say that i i think that uh having watched a lot of wayne rooney in his his uh english days um and, and a fair amount of latin too just you know he's latin so you've seen him play uh you know wayne rooney is a very Depending on where he's deployed, like one of the things he was known for, and I, I know it's it's years past this, but you know, it, it, he's a very um, proactive player. Like he's not a guy that's gonna kind of hang on the defender's shoulder. He's not gonna kind of sit there and just be like, oh, you know, like just get me the ball. Like I'm just gonna stand here until someone gets me the ball. Like if th- the game's not going the way Wayne Rooney likes, Wayne Rooney's going to go to the game. Um, you know, almost to the point of. Uh, you know, criticism he got for doing that a lot back when he played for Manchester United. You know, just just you, you find your center forward like back in the uh, uh, you know back in your own box, like trying to hit balls and tackle things. Uh, so I if the, I kind of feel like that sort of attitude, that sort of mentality, will serve DC well. Like, and, I, and he is like a guy that can really hold on to a ball and could kind of affect himself onto a game state in a way. So um, yeah, I, they might be. It, it's it's not as cut and dry. Um, necessarily in, in the East as it has seemed, you know. Uh, Orlando kind of seemed to be falling off the pace a little bit. Um, Toronto still aren't. They're getting better, but they still got a lot of work to do to be kind of in that conversation as well. So it, it's um, never going to count anybody out in Major League Soccer doing so is obviously a foolish thing to do. But uh, it, it, I, I think just from a spectator neutral standpoint, and hopefully the fans of DC United as well will just kind of see something different and more interesting. Uh, and hopefully get a lot out of that as they kind of restart and kind of try to like re-kick this this team off again. Well, and, and I really think that they have to do more than just Wayne Rooney. Just assuming yeah, that uh, you're going to get Wayne Rooney. I mean, we've talked about this a couple times uh, on the podcast. I, I know you and I have gone through it rounds on Twitter. Yeah. And, and this team is not good, right? Like they, right. They, they've got huge holes. And while they have some talent, for whatever reason, it's just absolutely just it's not where it should be and i yeah i don't want to like yeah this is one of those teams where i don't need to add more talent they just need to add more talent yes yes it's all around like there's just not a lot of places there's not a lot of names on that lineup that couldn't be upgraded with relative ease and i don't mean that by like it's easy to sign players because it's not and certainly not if you're dc united but um you know that just like the standard there is is not a hard one to improve, um, from just like a, a a talent standpoint, like you said. So um, we'll see. I I, uh, <laughs> I wonder. Like it, I think it's going to be more fascinating next year. I think I kind of feel like this might be this might be it for Ben Olsen. I don't know. I, I think with the new stadium, you know, new DP, like big name guy, 
starting again, you know, next season, they might want to try something completely different. And I don't think they'd be crazy to do that. But and I like Ben Olsen, I do. Uh, but but I can see them saying like, okay, this isn't this isn't working. Let's let's do something else. And, and so I kind of wonder if there's a different philosophy or style that could go with that team that might might suit them better than the current one. I don't think Ben Olsen is overtly defensive, though. I don't think he's an overtly yeah. negative uh, coach. No, right? I don't, I don't and, either. And I'll say I, but I wonder if that's what I'm saying. Like, like personality. I I mean negative in the yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of um, you know playing unesthetic. You know soccer and in general i i think that he has some really good ideas i just think personally i think there there's probably some deviations from how uh he has it in his ideas to how the players are executing and i don't know necessarily is that on him communicating is that just because and this is an absolute fact they have a huge amount of turnover year over year and he's constantly trying to have to re-identify um, and build a brand new identity from year to year with that team. And now you might say, well, they're the same team that they were last year and the year before and the year before. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think in general, they've, I think this year they're very different than what they were last year. And I think last, I the year before, so, yeah. they were really different that. from the year prior. I think that they're having to kind of, based off of who he has available, he's trying to cater to them. And I, I think he does a pretty good job. And yeah, they have yes. their downs, their down years. I yes. would like to see, I say all this because to just bring it back, I would like to see Ben Olsen with real players at his disposal and say, hey, stop picking the tactics to fit the player. Let's play what you want to play. Yeah, and I just don't know that he's going to get that at these United. And uh, I, I, by no means, am trying to insinuate that Ben Olsen is a bad coach because I do not think he is. Uh, it's just one of those situations where I think that it, it, as a team, as a franchise, and they would know better than, than we do. You know, we, we're having to speculate a lot here when we say, oh, okay, well, the message isn't getting across clearly. You know, is that is that the speaker? Is that the listener? Um, you know, or is it the message itself? And um, you know they would know better than than than, than we do, so I, I think they'll make a decision. But all I'm saying is that I, I can see them looking at this at the end of this and going, "All right, we got to just let's you know wipe the chalkboard clean and, and let's 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 start again." Um, you know, with a different kind of philosophy. I think that, that that's a little bit of some, uh, some uh, assuming that they have all the answers. I don't necessarily know that they do, and I think that's been kind of the woes. I think that they're trying to uh, you know decipher themselves is it. Is it the message? Is it the communicator? Is it the commu- you know the person listening? And, and I think that that's part of building a team. And I think sometimes it just takes teams longer to come together than you know other other teams. Now, um, I think just basically watching what happened last night, I think they're still trying to figure out how to talk to one another and figure out what exactly what what is expected. And yeah, I don't know who that's on. And to be perfectly honest, I don't want to be so presumptuous and say that they know that either. I think that they're still <laughs> trying to figure that out. I, I think they might know. I, all I'm saying is they probably have a better idea than I do. Oh, yeah, no, uh, totally fair. Yeah. They have, <laughs> they have more they, – they're more – you know, they're right there to, to have a better idea to figure yeah. that out. They have a little more data than I do on that, I think. All right. So um, we will uh, kind of – Maybe fall back into DC and I a little bit later, but let's. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you about this week, uh, kind of our deep dive as such. Uh, I remember 
one of the first soccer podcasts I ever heard was this English uh, Premier League podcast uh, way back in the day, like 2004, five, like just the very uh, genesis of podcasts. Um, and they used to have this feature every week uh, and where they would just like, they'd name a striker that wasn't scoring goals and like they'd just like read a, a, a riot act against them. Like, why can't you score blah, blah, blah? And you missed this and you missed this and you missed this. And they go, and where are the goals? And they'd all chant it. And I thought it was delightful. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why I thought about this this week, and I can't even remember the name of the podcast, but I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at um, some of our, uh, let's say, underperforming strikers. Uh, let's be... Mm, I know you're going to disagree with that phrasing. <laughs> let's say uh, strikers that have not found the net a, a lot and that are frustrating their fans. And I think I've got a list here of 10 uh, that are kind of low, and I thought we could kind of talk about them, and you could kind of tell me if you think... It's on them, it's on the team, it's bad luck, uh, they're doing something else, uh, or if you know this is actually like a, a situation where we've got a, a bad player here. So uh, what, what do you think? Let's do it. Let's uh, Yeah, come throw them at me, Let's man. Let's do it. Throw them at you, man. All right, so I'm going to start with the lowest go tally uh, we have. This is, uh, okay, and one other thing that's important to note, um, and I just realized this too late to do anything about it, but this does not include last night's games, uh, these stats I have here. So this is going into... Wednesday night's games. Um, okay, uh, so this is the the top 10 with, uh, strikers with at least 850 minutes. Um, or 800 minutes, sorry. Uh, number one, 1,802 minutes, one goal, two assists, 31 shots, four expected goals. He's, uh, goal minus expected goals is negative three. That's Kyrie Shelton. Kyrie Shelton. Where are the goals, Kyrie Shelton? Yeah, where are the goals, Kyrie Shelton? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that's a really good question, right? Um, Kyrie Shelton, we, we kind of talked about before on the podcast, his job isn't necessarily one of creating them, right? He is more of um, kind of a circulator, if you will. Uh, his job primarily is to make sure, you know, uh, Johnny Russell, um, whoever is in the midfield that's that's getting forward at that point in time, because it's kind of been cycling it through. Uh, sure, it's Salloway. Makes yeah, sure yeah. that they're providing proper, that he's providing proper service for these in and outs. I don't know if anybody's uh, that's not in Sporting Kansas City has noticed, but they play a lot of these quick passes. It's the very... Um, Kind of Oba Femi mm-hmm. Martins, Clint Dempsey esque at t- at certain times, and it's there. It's how Johnny Russell's found some yeah. really good shots and, and opportunities. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, Kyrie Shelton is kind of the 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 center of the wheel when it comes to that. He's responsible for kind of the hold up play and those scenarios, and you know. So I, I say all that to kind of take a little bit off of him. That being said, a lot of his shots are also kind of coming from long range, right? Um, yeah, like all those SKC guys, we've <laughs> talked about that before. Right. So the other side... They have a shoot-on-site policy. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's well, true. And we've yeah. kind of talked about this to the extent that, uh, you know, Sporting Kansas City is kind of going to... Uh, fluctuate and they're just going to bag a bunch of goals at times and other times it's not going to be so much and that's because they kind of open the game with a lot of long shots and the hope is that you kind of have you know you're you're taking uh, advantage of that space that the central defender is seeding you in the hopes that 
if you continue to take that shot, and you want to score goals with them. You're, you're not just taking yeah, bad sure. shots to take bad shots, but you're hoping that you're pulling the defense out a little bit. And when yeah. Kyrie Shelton is taking some of those, you know, uh, let, let's just say it, they're, they're not great shots, right? They're, right. they're usually over. Uh, they're usually past the 18 uh yard box uh, mm-hmm. on average they're sitting at almost 20 yards his average shot which look that's not great but comma he's pulling a lot of defenders out of position and that's opening yeah. up a lot of space behind him in doing so yeah. should he have more goals probably not um, expected goals isn't seeing the fact that of the majority of these shots that he's taking are probably not good ones, right? Yeah, yeah. He's at four expected goals, so he's he's minus three on the year, which is yeah, it's not bad. It's not and, terrible. Well, and, and not just that he has four. Like we can look at the volume, but look at the you look at the average distance. You look at the average uh, leverage of a shot. I mean, it's. It's less than 10, so, you know, it's not necessarily terrible, but it's not great. Um, you, you're, you're hoping that your striker is kind of some, sitting somewhere between 8 and 12, right? And he's sitting less than that. Uh, just uh, look eyeballing it. Public math is bad, so I'm not going to try to deduce it, do the division <laughs> my, in my mind. But, y- yeah, yeah he, and I think that, yeah. he has a different role. He's a different role. I, I, I would not be super concerned with Kyrie Shelton if I were an SKC fan. I think we've said that before. Uh, clearly, whatever it, it, they're doing is working, so uh, I wouldn't tinker with it too much. Uh, our next guy, 981 minutes, one goal, zero assists, 21 shots, three expected goals, G minus expected goals of negative two. Where are the goals? Joe Ingberger. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a little bit harder because... I don't understand this one at all because he plays a lot. I mean, a lot. Like, 981 minutes, it's not a ton. There, there's more out there. But I, he's out there a lot, and I don't think he's a bad player. Clearly, Patrick Vieira doesn't think he's a bad player. He's produced extremely little. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, he's played uh, fewer minutes than uh, Kyrie Shelton, who we just talked about. But on top of that, he also has a lot fewer shots. And mm-hmm. the big thing about this is that his distance is a lot smaller uh he he's yeah. taking a lot closer shots which kind of tells you on average he's kind of trying to look to poach right um yeah that's that's mostly kind of what he's he's there to do um it, if he's there to poach and he's sitting at you know three expected goals and he obviously has um I mean, his solo shot is his solo's nine and a half. Wow. Uh, so basically, he's he's only ba- taking he's merely working off of what other people give him, right? He's combining yeah. with David uh, David Villa. He's uh, he's working with uh, probably uh, Maxi Morales. I, probably doing Shari, a lot of comp- yeah. yeah, probably doing a lot of uh, combination play. So he's extremely dependent upon those uh, those different players right now, and he's not taking a lot of shots. So he's looking for really good, really good looking shots. Should he probably have maybe a goal or two? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if we looked at the data, he probably has hit the post once this season or had one of those. Yeah, he's 
he's snake bit at the moment, it seems. But as they the, say, yeah. But at the same time, you can kind of see that there's there's some good process in there that I'm not too worried about initially. Um, but I'd also like to see how he looks when he's sitting at over 1,500 minutes. Is he does he still have the same pace? Is he still uh, finding a lot of shots uh, near goal? If so, yeah, then we probably you know definitely maybe want to take a look at like how what percentage of his shots are being blocked what percentage you know it, going and actually breaking down each of his shots and how many of them are just at bad angles that he doesn't have a yeah. good uh, good goal mouth you know available to him that could be especially with cutting in off the wing which he's been do- doing a lot um he hasn't necessarily been playing that striker role exclusively right he kind of plays that secondary striker where he's he kinda, definitely not your out and out yeah yeah so he kind of moves up top uh jesus medina kind of drops more into the midfield and he kind of plays almost like a hold-up winger in some um some capacity um, which is kind of funny because talking about Kyrie Shelton, it feels like that was kind of Shelton's role at certain at certain moments. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure Dummy uh, Dummy Run's gonna probably uh, hit us up on Twitter and tell us how stupid we are and how he's terrible. No, he's or very polite. He's a polite young he, man. He he, uh, he is. That, that's that's <laughs> me. Me. I, I don't mean to. I, what I'm saying is I'm not sure where yeah, we're I, I look forward to that conversation the... with him to see where he thinks that, that, <laughs> that Joe Ingeberge fits into the whole NYCFC thing and again I kind of have to look at this and go like well NYCFC is going to be doing fine so whatever's going on is working alright next guy 1,137 minutes 2 goals 1 assist 28 shots expected goals 6.1 that's tied for the highest on this list of top 10 uh, this is the worst though uh, goal versus expected goal negative 4.1 this is a fair question. CJ Sapong, where are the goals? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I'm constantly defending him for, for some reason. And mm-hmm. I know Jared has this take that's kind of lukewarm, right? He's not as bad as everyone in Philly says. He's not as good as what the expected goals have to say about him. And uh, somewhere... Uh, and I think that's probably true, right? Somewhere in the middle is the truth. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. That's always a good position to take. It's <laughs> right. hard to be wrong. It, Standing on it, that it, island. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's usually, uh, yeah, generally correct island is what I like to call that island. It's a good one to stand on. Uh, yeah, you know, he uh, is somebody, and we've talked about this before on the show maybe, and something that me and you have joked about too. Like he's uh, so far the uh, in your lowered expectations column, you know, he's our lowered expectations MVP by far. Um, I think that he is consistently in that list. Uh, and this is one of those guys that, and I know we don't like to do like to judge on this, but like has like just some absolute face palm shots this year. Just like what, how did that was harder to miss than it was to score? Like how how is that possible that that didn't go in? And I think we know that he's capable of scoring goals. And we know he's capable of scoring goals uh, at, a, at a good clip, too, and that he's he's capable of being very efficient with his shots. Uh, I wrote about this last week that, you know, we looked at, like, f- just straight-up raw goals-to-shots percentage. Um, you know, and he was one of the best uh, over the last two years. Like, he's not a bad... He's not a bad striker, <laughs> so I don't know if this is a... And I think he's getting service. Like, he does have a lot of expected goals. I, I, he's 28 shots is kind of high for this list here. Like, I, I don't see anything wrong with just, like, they're just not going in. He's just not hitting the ball with his head or his foot well. <laughs> well, and, <clears throat> he has some similarities to... Uh, 
one player that I don't want to name because then uh, we start down a terrible path, but he has a lot of good qualities, right? Um, the fact that his average distance is so low shows you um, the type of positioning that he's consistently getting himself into. I would say, though, that he really does need to step up his volume a little bit, especially for um, if he's going to continue to have like this, this, uh, and I don't want to say finishing issue because I don't think that it's a finishing issue. I think that there's, I think that there has been moments like that he's taken shots that are either awkward or maybe he just hasn't had the right, um, they, they've caught him off balance, so, uh, certain circumstances within the given shot. But most of the time we see that even out over the course of a season. But the problem is, is that's most of the time. We're working from uh, the the rule here. Sapong might just be having a bad and unlucky season. And I think that that's, uh, it's a little easy to say that and be like, well, he's just unlucky, you know, shoulders. What can he do to kind of break that luck? Uh, he could step up that volume. He needs probably more touches. He, especially in that, uh, that final third type area, um, in, in and around the Bach, uh, I, if you look at it, he's sitting really low on his touch percentage. He's sitting at 5%. And on top of that, um, his solo percentage is 18%. Um, if he wants to kind of break this habit, he has to increase the volume. That's, that's what, that's what most strikers, when they start going, um, just kind of a rye and they go through a rough, uh, kind of a rough spell volume cures it. And that, again, this is the rule versus, you know, obviously someone that's not going and playing by the normal set of rules. I think that he just really needs to be a little bit more selfish in the coming weeks. That's what, that's what I would, if I was sitting down that's and Dr. having Harrison's that conversation prescription. with him, that's what Dr. Harris would give you, is all more right, shots. I like it. I like it. More shots. That works. Um, all right, next guy. 845 minutes only. Uh, There's two a goals, there. Two. I got it. I got it. I, I acknowledged it. It was very funny. Uh, 845 minutes, two goals, two assists, 21 shots, four expected goals, goal minus expected goals of negative two. Uh, Fernando Adi. Where are the goals? I think he's doing okay. I mean, he he's really low on minutes for this list, and uh, two goals, two assists isn't isn't a terrible return. And Portland's doing fine. I I think that he kind of isn't. He's not the main guy. That's just the thing now, right? Uh, I think that's part of it, right? Um, definitely, he he's doing a little bit of a timeshare, which I think po- uh, possibly kind of changes his role. Um, that being said, if you do look at um, him over the years, he's not necessarily um, – he's kind of played under his expected goals uh, yeah. over the last few years. And and I don't necessarily know why that is. I'm sure someone watching more Portland games could probably tell you. But looking at you know last season, he was two and a half goals under. Looking at the year before, he was uh, basically a goal and a half under. Um, can can I float a theory? 
Yeah, go for it. This is a theory I just thought of. Uh, top. Uh, given his physicality and, and his, you know, prowess uh, at certain skill set, I, I would probably wonder if maybe he's getting his head or uh, foot on more shots that most strikers normally wouldn't get to. Um, and those don't always result in great shots, but they might be in decent positions. Like, he might win a, a crazy crowded header with three guys around him, but it just kind of f- flanks off. And that we mark that as a shot. We mark that as an expected goal in the amount. Um, I kind of feel like I see him do that a lot. That's just a theory based on nothing but uh, my gut, but I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Well, I think that's a great point. I mean, we saw that, uh, you know, a column that I write, and I'll, I'll try to keep that in mind for future reference and future columns. No, absolutely. There's sometimes that guys just, uh, man, they do everything they can just to kind of get a ball directed, and it's just directed. It's like, hey, let's force the keeper into something, and it goes 20 feet wide, right? Because all they're doing is fighting to get that chance to try to put yeah. it on frame. Yeah. They're more, almost more occupied with getting it. And he is, he's a fighter. And that's one of the things that is absolutely um, admirable about him, right? Is he is clinically going to win you opportunities to score a goal. That lots now, of other strikers just won't. I mean, yeah, it, it that ab- just, yeah. absolutely. That other strikers won't. And so, uh, yeah. I think that that's that's probably a valid uh, theory. I, I would, yeah, I'm willing to uh, kind of invest in that a little bit. Let's we'll look into that. We'll look into that. I think you're doing fine, Andy. Keep it up. Uh, these next two guys are kind of we have them listed as forwards in our uh, kind of positional cataloging, and I guess nominally they are, but I would think of them more as. Uh, sort of wide players, so I, I think that that kind of throws a little bit of these numbers in there, uh, makes them a little more like understandable contextually. But we'll just go ahead and throw them out there. Uh, next up, we have Jefferson Savarino. He's got 1,400 minutes, two goals, one assist, 35 shots, four expected goals, negative uh, two on his uh, goal minus expected goals. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't normally think of. I, I would be hard pressed to ask Jefferson Savarino where the goals are. Like I just don't think that's what his main thing is, right? Um, yeah, so he's got 35 shots and his average distance is well over. He does have 35 shots. Yeah. Yeah. So he's taking a lot of long shots. He's taking a ton of long shots and his expected goals is pretty much in line with his goals. Yeah. So there's might be a little bit that there might be one or two that might've hit off the post that people are like, wow, that was so close. Uh, If, you know, he had a little bit more, uh, patience or a little bit more poise or touch, um, that goes in. But realistically speaking, uh, he's shooting primarily from locations that are far away. This is, this is what you're going to get. Um, he, you know, the next game he could have two, three goals. You know, if you're going to shoot four, five long shots, that's completely possible. You know, you just, you just strike the ball, right. Uh, the keeper there, there's a myriad of different things that could go, that could happen, especially from long shots. Uh, there's more time to, (laughs) to, for things to go wrong from a defensive perspective, but yeah, he's going to score goals in bunches more than he's probably going to score goals consistently in line with his expected goals. Yeah. Now, the next guy is kind of a similar thing. 1,096 minutes, two goals, two assists, 20 shots, uh, 2.9 expected goals. 
uh, goal and minus expected goal of negative 0.9. Uh, that's Jesus Medina, another NYCFC guy. Again, I think he, I think he's doing fine. I, he's only got 20 shots. Um, I don't yeah. think that's his main role. I've, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, like from the way he started the season, I would have expected that number to be higher. Uh, the goals scored, uh, but looking at the way that their offense has kind of settled and unfolded a bit as the season's progressed. Um, I think he's just playing his role in it. No, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, you can see that within um, what he... Well, I talked about this on uh, Lowered Expectations, I don't know, like uh, two weeks ago. I kind of... He had a shot that he missed. A, it was a header. Headers are yeah. hard. I always... <laughs> I always... Yeah. <laughs> I remember that shot, yeah. That was bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's just it, I can see that looking bad. But yeah, that's a hard shot. It, it, and so the, the follow up with that is, you know, he's just gone absolutely missing over the last um, what over the last three months, basically, since he had that assist and the goal on opening day, which I mean, that already like sets expectations completely in the wrong way but yeah he has 42 percent of his expected goal chain that comes from the expected buildup so he's involved in so much of that chain just like uh Burgett, it it's it's just these guys are tied into doing so much more the person that's responsible for taking the majority of the shots is david uh david via right um he is responsible for scoring goals and that's not to say that you know other t- people on NYC aren't going to score, but he is that main option. Uh, and, and so it, it's kind of interesting if you look at where David Villa is, he's in the top three as far as touch team touch percentage. And when you know, <laughs> yeah. when you kind of consider the fact that that's NYC <laughs> yeah. and they have tons of touches. If yeah. I can like exasperate that like yeah, enough and emphasize, he's an important player for New York City football. Club. He That's touches sick. the ball more than you know. Sebastian Giovinco is probably. It's kind of funny because they have a lot of similarities, but um, David Villa for uh, David Villa for as much as he touches the ball, his expected buildup is only four percent, and yet he's involved with almost half of his team's expected goals. So that kind of tells you what his role is in that sphere and how all those other different pieces operate within that, uh, that system, right? Uh, Jesus Medina is responsible for getting via the ball, but getting him the ball and being that secondary option, being maybe that third option, crashing the box, getting and finding spot, uh, space. Pitch in when you can. But he's just a cog in a machine, and the machine that's running well. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I question you not, Jesus Fadida. All right, this next one is kind of fun. 897 minutes, three goals, three assists, 62 shots. Far, far more than anybody on our top 10 list here. 6.1 expected goals, goal minus expected goals of negative 3.1. Can't believe I'm saying this. Where are the goals, Sebastian Javinko? Giovinco is such an interesting guy this year. Such an interesting guy this year. So you look at um, his distance is so much further than what it's been the last few right. years. I know. So and he's not. He's different. never been a shy guy about popping off from distance. We know that. But, and so you even look at it a little bit different. Um, his solo, so uh, basically... Um, 
whether or not he's combining with other people is half of what his previous low has been. He's at 6.5%. Crazy. That's crazy. You know, I think two of these three goals were free kicks, too. Like I think it's just one from open play. I might be wrong about yeah, that. I have no, to you are correct. It. it is one from open play. Uh, I have it open looking at it myself. But um, just to kind of give you an idea, uh, looking at basically 23 other strikers that fall into plus 700 minutes, um, he has the lowest solo shot percentage. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. And so, you know, he, I mean, we know we know that he's not shy about popping off. We know that Toronto's game plan is going to be like let Jovinko shoot. This is what has worked for them. This is what they have done. Right, and that's that's where uh, David Villa and him kind of different, uh, diff- just kind of are different. Set, are, yeah, yeah, they have their own unique tangible qualities, right? Giovinco is going to pop off a shot. Via is going to basically work in combination and find space to create a shot with somebody else. Giovinco, what's been really kind of interesting is while he's taken all these extra shots and everything, he also has some of the highest expected assists. Like he's already equaled his expected assists from last year. Yeah, that's right. That he has made, been kind of playing it, it, a more a more playmaking role, but still it, he's shooting so much. Like he's so, he's not basically playing a false ten. Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so. that's 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 or false false ten, false, false nine. nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to invent the false ten. I, I, mean, that's I, mean, like, I was thinking. I was thinking he's like, he's playing a ten res- position, yeah. but he's playing. He's he's being penciled in as the nine. He's right? nominally a forward, yes, but he's more of a ten. But I do want to explore the tactical possibilities of a false 10. We might have just stumbled on the next revolution. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so Javinko is fine. I mean, it's Javinko. He's going to be fine. Um, it's not crazy to think that he can keep up. He's not going to, like, be... I don't know. I don't want to say, like, he... But he, he scored a lot of goals. It, it, that's not the expectation that you have of players. Like, that's a unusual thing to have these kind of great... Uh, numbers that you're hitting every year uh so it's not surprising to see that he's having like a little bit more a little less fortune a little less luck uh i think he's definitely doing different things within the team right now i think that not having altador is probably going to be have some effect on this as well i know those two worked well together um and uh you know he's missed a couple couple penalties i think you know just this things like this that kind of like just sort of add up to your you're kind of like looking bad on your 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 goals minus expected goals uh, but yeah, it is important to remember that you know, 62 shots. Like he's not taking a ton of high percentage shots. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I guess what we can't say is that the 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 way to cure Sebastian Javinko is not more shots, Doctor Harrison. No, probably not. But the other the other side of it isn't to take the ball out of his hands either, right? Because he's he's creating. He's got this just gravity to him that's going to pull defenders and that's actually what what they're kind of, what Toronto's kind of used 
in his place with, with different pieces, right? Especially with Jonathan Osario coming up behind him, uh, especially with uh, Victor Vasquez, uh, who's shooting more frequently. It's, it's kind of interesting that uh, Giovinco's key passes are up this year and Victor Vasquez's shots are up. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, additionally, you know, you have guys that have been filling in quite well. Uh, Tostin uh, Ricketts has, has been doing quite decently and uh um Josie Stead I don't want to necessarily like be like oh he's so much better than obviously you want Altador there uh, that there's a reason why you yeah. pay a lot of money for Josie Altador uh, over and but I, for a backup like, he's he's just yeah, great. No, absolutely he's I don't want to uh, so two sides of the yeah. coin you don't want to undercut the fact that Toronto has built some great depth uh but at the same time you want your designated players on the field um, in lieu yes. of not having them, they have made some changes to their personnel and how they operate. And I think it's really interesting. And I've credited, I, I've not given Greg Vanny his due in a lot of different ways. I've kind of, uh, I have my own little theories behind this that um, we've talked about sometimes on the, on the podcast, but I really do want to say, I think that this is obviously something that, you can attribute to him just with how he's talked about leading up to um, this off se- through this offseason and then in the middle of the season, going on MLS Rewind and talking about some of those changes. Maybe it came from his coaching staff. Maybe it came from him. I don't know, but he's very confident in how he's going forward and how he's making these changes. And I think that Honestly, I think it's working. I think it, you just have to give Toronto a chance. Toronto last year did something no other team's done before. Yeah. Before Atlanta and had this season. Yeah. Um, which and it's hard that like once that becomes the baseline. Yeah, expect, absolutely. It, it's it's difficult to kind of maintain that every year. So it, it's, uh, you know, maybe they're a little bit uh, a product of their own success a bit here, but, um, yeah. Anyway, they they've got they got time. It, it's. Orlando is, is fortunately helping them out, and I, I think that you know when Altador gets back into the rotation, and when um, you know Javinko obviously is going to start finding the net a lot more here soon. Like it just is the, his way. Um, so uh, we're not too worried about you, Sebastian Javinko, but uh, I don't feel bad asking you where the goals are because you have a whole lot of shots. Uh, well, <laughs> next guy, he, he has a whole lot of yeah. goals. He has a history of you know scoring yes. a lot of goals. So yes, yes, yes. But uh, this season, uh, real, real fast, if you go back a whole month though, just so you know, since kind of the the just getting out of CCL, Toronto is averaging one point seven five points um, a match. So and Atlanta over the last month is down to one point two five. So something to kind of think about. Uh, that's not to say Atlanta's bad, and not to say that Toronto's reclaiming the throne, but teams go through there streaks, right? They there absolutely, are there are trends. There's going to be yes. ups and there's going to be downs. Atlanta did a great job taking care of the crew on the road, which is amazing. That's a big uh, result for them. It's yeah. a huge result for them, and that's awesome uh, for what they their aspirations for this season. That being said, Toronto is not out of the playoff picture, and not at all. They, Especially with that sixth seed, as you mentioned, with Orlando just kind of choking it away. Yeah. Uh, our next guy, 889 minutes, three goals, three assists, 22 shots, three expected goals, three goals. So he's right on target for our uh, uh, formula here. I'm not even going to bother asking him where the goals are because he's kind of been a guy that comes off the bench and uh, is sort of a, you know, not consistent starter and 
Cuban is low minutes and the fact that he's scoring about what he should. Uh, good job, Jordi Reyna. You are you are excused. <laughs> uh, I like I him never... a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there's a lot to like there. He's a really interesting player. Um, our last guy, our final guy here, that we're going to talk about tonight. 811 minutes. Uh, that is the fewest in our top 10. Uh, three goals, two assists, 22 shots, 3.9 expected goals, negative 0.9. You're going to hate this one. Where are the goals, Will Bruin? Where are the goals? No, I think it's a fair shout. Yeah. Uh, since uh, since coming back, he's – I don't know if he's played with a little bit mo- less uh, – I don't want to say enthusiasm, but he's, he's almost been a little bit careful in what he does. Right. Like, yeah. and so watching him and then additionally kind of looking at the stats, he's definitely been, um, he's not been taking advantage of the opportunities that we've seen him take advantage of in the past. And I don't know if that's partly, um, he was a little bit selfish in the earlier part of the season because he could be right. Dempsey really wasn't, was inconsistent. Sometimes he was around. Sometimes he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Ladero hadn't been around very often. Wolf Ikram wasn't seeing minutes. Victor Rodriguez was still injured. So the bulk of the load kind of fell on Will Bruin. I thought Will Bruin did a really good job. He just needed some help. Well, now all that helps returned and kind of force. And it, it's kind of taken away from, uh, Will Bruin in the sense that he doesn't necessarily have the he's lower in the pecking order, right? His opportunities have to come a lit more a little bit more randomly and a little bit more uh, off those second chances, deflections, loose balls in the box, um, and then when they're going to play direct, he's going to have to win balls. And I don't think that's his strength. Um, it, that being said, if he wants to score goals, that's what he's going to have to do. Yeah, I think there's kind of an interesting... I feel like Will Bruin is a man of two minds. Like, I think he does do well in a situation where he, he, you know, gets on the end of crosses. I think he's pretty good at that. But I think he's a player that really wants to play through the middle, that really wants to um, kind of be a guy that can drop a pass off, too. And we've seen him do that a lot this year, too. I don't have his XA in front of me, but I think it's okay. Um, you know, uh, Actually, his it's funny you bring that up, because I was actually going to say his expected assist is equal for what it's been the last three seasons um, already wow <clears throat> yeah already he so he has more expected assists yeah. uh than he had gotten at each of his last two seasons and going back to because uh, i mean we got quite a few years of will bruin will bruin's we, been around for <laughs> me too yeah he, he's been around since 2011 since he got drafted and yes. uh, looking back right now his highest year he had 4.7 expected assists uh in 2013 yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come near that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, this is kind of an interesting thing to discuss because, you know, just today, really, I think it was made at least official on the other end. But uh, Sounders uh, are bringing in a new striker this summer, uh, Raul Ruiz-Diaz um, from Paraguay and uh, Morelia and Liga MX, uh, one of the top scorers in that league. Uh one of the, the highest, in, or the highest, I think, in expected goals in that league uh, as well when we left it off. So um, what does that... Uh, that puts Will Bruin in an interesting place, and I, I kind of feel like that puts Will Bruin on the bench. Like, I don't see Seattle going to a two-forward formation, um, especially if they're going to keep running Dempsey, who, you know, is a 10, but kind of operates more 
I mean, he's a false 10, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, no, like to bring that back, when you said false 10, that's exactly who I think of as a false 10. Yeah. Is yeah. Dempsey there? I mean, you could probably, uh, I don't know who we were talking about earlier, but it made me think back to them. And really, uh, uh, Gio Dos Santos is a false 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's going to be an interesting thing for him. And I think that he's going to kind of have, you know, find minutes a little bit harder to come by as the season progresses. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting choice. I, I think that one of the things you brought up a lot that I think is true is that he represented a really great value, um, you know, in a salary cap league. The kind of production you're getting for the cost that you were paying you know, it was really helpful to Seattle in a lot of ways, and now they've kind of thrown a lot of money at that spot again. And um, I don't know, is, is is the difference between what we're seeing now from Seattle and, you know, what we know Seattle's capable of, just like a better striker? All right, so I, I've railed a lot against this. Um, I yeah. I think that it's a good move in terms of MLS going to get him because he's exactly who... Uh, He's exactly he's the exact profile that MLS is looking for, and they should be taking some of these players from. And I don't, Liga MX people are gonna hate me for this, but they should take them from lesser Mexican teams, right? Teams that aren't uh, consistently making the Champions League. Look, that's who. That, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If they're not gonna be making the Champions League, and you have aspirations to be there, take good players from other good teams. It's, that's, that's a good strategy. It's a very good strategy, right? And it's, it's not always it's not always easy to do with an MLS itself. It, it, good players tend to just stay on those good teams until they either retire or you know they go on to other leagues. They don't really change jerseys enter MLS. I mean, they, it just kind of doesn't work that way most of the time because most of them are older or they're younger. You know, most of these good players aren't necessarily yeah. in their prime. Um, yeah. That being said, he's exactly who they should be targeting. And I, I've felt frustrated because exactly what you said, they're losing a little bit of value at that position. That being said, there's a lot of tactical diversity that comes with him, right? He has speed. Uh, he's going to be able to change the way the Sounders play. And I think that there's something to say about that. And I think that there's, um, with all the um, all the players that you have in the midfield and between Rodriguez and uh, Ikram, Ladero, Roldan, uh, Svensson, Ozzy Alonso, Dempsey, having someone that can just run onto the end of passes is probably really important. Yeah, um, especially and, with, with Morris gone. You know, like that's just kind of... Exactly. Yeah. And, and even when Morris comes back, it would be nice to have a couple of different options. The diversity um, it helps. And look... Uh, he's not shy at taking shots either. So uh, he can be a little bit selfish, and I think you need that on this roster because Ladero's not a selfish player. Dempsey's going to be moving to the bench sooner rather than later, and there's not a lot of other players on this team that are consistent shot takers. You're going to have to increase your volume if the Sounders want to be a playoff team. I like it. All right. That's it. We did it. We talked about... That was great. I like doing that where the goal segment. We might bring that back again later in the year. Check in on some of these guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. We did it off the cuff, too. It was really fun. Um, All right, folks, that uh, is our show for this week. Um, We will not be back. We will not be back next week, at least not in this form. We're 
kind of toying with the idea of maybe doing a World Cup show, maybe with some different people, but that's very much up in the air. But with MLS taking a break, we are also going to take a break for the next week. Um, we'll be back in two weeks' time. Is that, will that be planned in two weeks? Three weeks? Something, yeah, two something two, three weeks. I should weeks. really look at the schedule of this league I cover. Uh, we'll be back uh, not, you know, uh, in that long time. But uh, in the meantime, do enjoy your World Cup. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, my name is Ian. You can follow me on Twitter at a handle for Ian uh, or during MLS match days. Uh, most of them you can uh, find me at Total MLS doing commentary and gifts and things of that nature. Uh, Harrison can be found on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Follow uh, the American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. It's at Analysis Evolved. And please, 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 please visit our website, www.americansocceranalysis.com. A lot of great stuff. We have World Cup content on there. The American Soccer Analysis, reaching outside of our American borders to provide analysis for the people. That's what we do there. Um, so, yeah, go visit that. we got articles going up a lot this week. Uh, we've been working with the Washington Post, which is very exciting. So we've got some great content there as well. Uh, just stop by the website. Check it out. You will not regret it. Uh, that is it for now. And uh, enjoy the World Cup.